99 days, that's, that's not that long. I'm excited though. I mean, we started counting out at 407. I don't ex- suggest long engagements for anybody. So. Um, I want to repeat, first of all, what Mark and Kirk have both said, that I don't want to get up here and try to impress you with anything I would say with eloquence of speech. I mean, I haven't even had Dewey's sermon prep class, so, um, and I don't want to try to do that and make you laugh, but just there's some things that God has definitely laid in my heart that hopefully I can communicate clearly to you and that you guys can understand. How many of you guys brushed your teeth this morning? Okay, how many of you guys put deodorant on this morning? You got showers? Okay, most, there's like a section up there that didn't do any of them. Um, last night when you, went to bed, when you went to bed, you're sitting there and you had to set your alarm clock for this morning. And you had to think, okay, I have an 8 o'clock class, which means if I shower and I brush my teeth and I comb my hair, I have to get up around, well, if you're a guy, about 7.49. And if you're a girl, I don't know how long you guys take. But you, like, get it to the last minute, you hit that snooze as much as you can, and you plan to do certain things and have a certain amount of time to do that. And you don't have to raise your hands in this, but how many of you last night when you went to bed and you were setting your alarm box, how many of you planned time this morning to spend with God and planned time to spend time with Him in prayer? What I want to do this morning is just share some things in my heart. My whole point is not to drive you into some emotional guilt-ridden state where you all come to the altar, confess it for the rest of your lives, you're going to stand here, you're going to pray for six hours a day, that you're going to be committed to prayer in your life. My whole point is that you might see something that is really valuable as Christians. In the 80s, a survey was done at a prayer seminar. Over 17,000 Christians at prayer seminars were interviewed and asked how much time they spent in prayer daily. And the average answer was between five and seven minutes. And at the same seminar, they interviewed pastors, and it wasn't any, it wasn't any greater. Dewey does the same thing, and I forgot to get this fast from him for this year. In his foundations class every year, he asked the incoming freshmen, and the average is normally three to five minutes. Why is it that something that is so important and so essential to Christian life are we forgetting about it so much? Why isn't it a goal? Why, as Kirk said, why isn't it a passion of our heart? Why do we do it when it's convenient, when we have enough time? My whole thing this morning, what I feel with all my heart, that if we are really striving, and I'm going to assume this morning that the majority of you here are striving to become more like Christ, that if you're doing that, that your goal in, in your life is to become more like Christ, that what you're going to do is you're going to spend time in your knees in prayer. And then without that, that goal can't be achieved. Let's pray before we get started. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for all your blessings. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord, we have to come and worship you, Lord, for the uniqueness of our chapel. Thank you for the songs this morning, the blessing they were. I pray that we can focus on you now, Lord, that I can communicate clearly what's on my heart and what's on my mind. Lord, that they, uh, the hearts here would be open and responsive to what you might have said through me. We pray for these things in your name. Amen. I want to cover three basic things this morning. Number one, why we should pray. Number two, why we don't pray, some of the difficulties involved in that. And number three, how we can pray and what to pray for when we do pray. Okay, the first thing, why should we pray? Prayer is not an option for the believer. And I think we view it as that so often. We view it as something that is there when it's convenient, when we have enough time for our meals and so forth. Turn with me if you have your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians 5.17. I know you haven't memorized, but I want you to look at it. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. 
three words, pray without ceasing. That's all that's there. And an English major will tell you that if there's no subject that's understood, you. You pray without ceasing. It doesn't say when you get a chance, pray. It doesn't say when you have time, pray. It doesn't say when it's convenient, pray. It says pray without ceasing. And we can go into what it means without ceasing, but I want you to focus on this morning that we have been commanded to pray. In Colossians 4.2, it says devote yourselves to prayer. Again, it's not an option. It says devote yourselves to prayer. I think what we do sometimes, and what I do, is we view prayer as something that's been established for the spiritual elite. If I were to ask all of you your philosophy on prayer this morning, you would always say prayer is an important thing. Prayer is an essential part of our lives, but is it really happening? Is your life proving what you would say your philosophy is? It's like that's great for them. They've arrived spiritually, so they have a good prayer life. I don't, but I'm not there yet, so I don't really need to. And I think it's something we need to realize that is a command in Scripture. We're not given an option to pray. We're commanded to pray. And we need to take that very seriously. The second thing is something that Christ expected, to, expected of us. That um, We find in Matthew 6, and this is where I'm going to be most of the morning, so if you'll turn there. Matthew 6, verse 5, the first three words, and we'll come back to the rest later, says, And when you pray... The first, ver- first line of verse 6 says, but thou when you pray. Verse 7, but when you pray. And then verse 8, but when you pray, don't be like them. And verse 9, this is how you pray. It's assumed that that's going to be good. He, Jesus, when he's talking to his exi- disciples, it's expected of them that that's something they're going to do. He doesn't say if you decide to pray. He says when you pray. He doesn't say when you get a chance and if you have time and you're going to pray. It says... But when you pray, this is how you do it. And he gives us some guidelines for that. It's expected of us by Christ. As well as being expected by him, it's something that he modeled. In Luke 4, um, in Luke 4 and 5, in the beginning of Luke 4, he he's goes in the, in the wilderness. He's being tempted by Satan. He's preaching in the synagogues later in um, chapter 4. Um, in the beginning of verse 5, he's, he's going out in the boat and he's preaching to large multitudes. People are coming to him constantly, asking to be healed, asking to preach. They're trying to stump him. They're trying to trick him into seeing if he's true. The Sanhedrin, the Pharisees are coming to him. And what does he do in Luke chapter 5, verse 16? And Jesus withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. It doesn't say, and Jesus withdrew himself into the wilderness and developed a five-step program to deal with stress. Developed a three-step program on how he can handle people that are difficult. He went into the wilderness and he prayed. And so much is what I do. When, when I'm busy, when there's a lot of things to go, the first thing I don't plan for at night when I set my alarm clock, the first thing to go is my devotion. The first thing to go is the prayer. It's like, okay, I can like squeak in the shower and the brushing my teeth. And I, can get, I can get that done in like five minutes, go to class, be there on time, and go through the day. Martin Luther used to say that sometimes he had so much to do in a day that he would have to pray for two or three hours before he even started. Because he knew that without the strength of God, he couldn't get through that day. It's something that Christ definitely expected of us. Another quote by Martin Luther, he said, As it is the business of tailors to make clothes and of cobblers to mend shoes, so it is the business of Christians to pray. It is our job, guys. It's our duty. It's our responsibility. It is our business to pray. But I want to take that two steps further. Number one, it's not just our business, but it's an incredible privilege. We have an opportunity unlike any other religion in the world, to approach the God of the universe, the creator of the universe, to approach him with our needs and our desires. It's a privilege. And the reason he commanded us to do it was not because he needed us to do it. We're not informing God of what's going on in our lives. He knows that. 
but he loves us and he desires communion with us. And that is why he's commanded us to pray. That's why it's a command. That's why he expects us of it. He doesn't, he doesn't need to know, you know, that, you know, your cat's sick. He doesn't need to know that. He knows that. But he wants us to commune with him and he desires that communion. And the second thing that it should be our desire. We shouldn't view it as just, this is something God wants me to do, so I'm going to do it. Prayer should be our passion, as we just sang. Is prayer your passion? Is it a passion of your heart? Is it something you desire to do every morning and nothing else can take the place of it? I think that if we realize that, if our goal, like I said at first, is really that we want to be like Christ, that we're going to pursue Him in prayer, that we're going to take that command seriously. The second thing, why don't we pray? And I know there's probably a lot of reasons if I ask you all in there, I'd probably get 800 different reasons of why you don't spend time in prayer. And all I've done is I've narrowed it down to three kind of basic categories that I feel have occurred in my life of reasons why I don't spend time in prayer and excuses that I use or reasons why I'm afraid to go to God. The first one of those is a lack of purity. Because there's sin in my life, I'm afraid to approach the throne of God. I'm not willing to go before God in prayer. The best example that I can find of this is Adam in Scripture. If you look at him, what happened when he sinned in the garden? The first thing he tried to do is hide himself and hide from God. He tried to run. And so what happens is you, you hide from God, you try to hide that sin, and you don't before, go before God and take care of it and ask confess, confess it and ask forgiveness. And so it just keeps building up, and it's like a vicious cycle that keeps getting worse and worse. And we never take advantage of it. We're, because there may be sin in our life, we're afraid to approach them. The second thing, and maybe one of the biggest things, is a lack of discipline that I've already talked about. Um, a quote by Whitney in his book on spiritual disciplines. One of the main reasons so many of God's children don't have a significant prayer life is not so much that we don't want to, but that we don't plan to. Again, last night, if I were to ask you before you went to bed last night, do you want to pray tomorrow? You probably would have said yes. But did you plan to do it? This is something that we spend time and we consciously think has got to be a part. It is an essential part of my day. It's something that I have got to do. And I have got to plan to do it. I can't just assume. Well, I can't just assume that I can go through the day without it. And that leads into the third thing that's a lack of dependence. Um, John 15:5 talks about being the vine and the branches, and it ends that verse, without me, you can do nothing. We can't do it without him, guys. He has given us an avenue to approach him on, and that's prayer. Yet we don't use it. Why? Essentially what we're saying is that we can do it without Him. That we don't need Him. And He says right there that we can do nothing without Him. The man in Scripture I think of that, that just emulated this so much was David. When you read through the Psalms, two things stand out to me so clearly. Number one, he was constantly praising God. And number two, that he was constantly crying out to God. In Psalm 51 it says, Lord have mercy upon me and hear me. Psalm 55, we sang Psalm 5 this morning. Give ear to my words, attend unto me. Psalm 63, you're my God and I will seek you. Psalm 64, hear my voice, O God, in my prayer. Psalm 62, he is my rock and my salvation. He repeats that, says it again in Psalm 27. Who is your rock? Who's your salvation this morning? And I know that technically you all would say Christ. I want you to look past that and realize on a day-to-day basis, who are you depending on? Where is your dependence? Is God your rock? Is He your salvation? Is He where you find your strength? That's what David did. We've got, David was the man after God's own heart. The man that we all look up to is modeling what God would want us to be. He went to God. He cried to God constantly in prayer. He depended on God for everything that he did. The last thing that I want to talk about. First two things. If we understand that we should pray. 
if we understand that that's important, that it's a command of God and that it's our desire because we want to be more like Christ. The second thing, if we understand why we don't pray, there's some difficulties in that and things that we have to overcome. Prayer, guys, is hard work. It's not easy. It's not easy. It's, it's hard. It's something you have to strive for. The third thing is, how do we do it? What do we do now? What do we do with that? I'm going to assume that the first two are true in your life. As I said at the beginning, I am going to assume that your desire is to become like God, to become like Christ. And if that's, if that's true, then I'm going to assume you want to pray. And this is why I want to go back to Matthew 6, verse 5. But thou, I, I'm sorry, and when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and your Father which seeth in secret will reward thee openly. I really believe that one of the single most important qualities we can possess as Christians and that we need in our prayer life is a humble heart. That we approach God wanting His will to be our will, but that our heart is just humble when we go before Him. In Luke 18, God gives a parable about a Pharisee and a um, publican. And he says, The Pharisee stood and prayed thus to himself. And you can just see him over here in the side of the synagogue with his hands raised toward heaven saying, God, with a long O sound because that's more spiritual. And I'm not like him over there. I fast twice a week. I do everything you tell me to do. God, thank you for not making me like other men. And then you see the publican over here. He's standing afar off. who would not so much as lift his eyes into heaven. He beat upon his breast and he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And you can just see him on his knees with his head bowed, saying, God, I do not even deserve to come before your throne. For us in modern day, we may not be in a synagogue, but how many of you guys have been praying in a small group and somebody will say something that sounds really spiritual and you'll hear everybody go, hmm, yes, or, oh, yes, Lord, and you'll hear them agree with it? So when it's your turn to pray, you want to top that and see if you can get more people to say, hmm, or yes, Lord. Have you guys ever done that? You know what I'm talking about? And it's the same thing. We're going to God. Our hearts aren't humble. We're not coming to God. Lord, I'm not even worthy to approach your throne. I'm coming to you asking you, Lord, first humble me. I want my will to be yours. And he goes on in Matthew. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. But not ye therefore be like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask them. Again, Lord, we're not in, informing God of what's going on in our lives. And we don't need to go, go before God with vain repetitions or go before God trying to sound holy, trying to sound spiritual, and using eloquent words that are trying to impress the people around. God is not going to be impressed by that. What's the substance of your prayer? What is your heart when you go to Him in prayer? Why are you doing it? He goes on. After this manner, therefore, pray ye. Now he's going to teach us how to pray. He's going to give his, his disciples an example of what to do in prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And you guys have all heard this a thousand times. You guys have this memorized. My freshman year, I was in a heard that this, um, this verse, Our Father, which art in heaven, was recognizing who our Father is, recognizing... His glory and His majesty and praising Him for who He was. And then so you remember back and you remember the three omnis. If you're a really good theologian, you say, okay, omniscient and He's omnipresent. Or thank you for being omni. Uh, and sometimes you forget that one. And then you go on and if you're like a straight A student, you remember immutability. You remember those four. And then it would stop there. 
And something that just meant so much to me that I want to share with you that Mark taught me a couple years ago was to go through my favorite Old Testament stories and praise God because He is immutable. He's the same then as He is now. And we can praise Him for the way He acted in the Old Testament. To go through creation and praise Him for His awesome power, for His omnipotence. To go to the story of Jonah and praise Him for His compassion. Thank you, Lord, for being gracious. Because He's the same now as He was then. To go to David and thank God you're an approachable, powerful God. To, to think of the story of Solomon and think, God, you gave him that wisdom. God, you are wise. I praise you for being wise. For being omniscient. To go for Job and just think of, God, thank you for loving your own. Thank you for caring for me. Think of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and his faithfulness to his people. The sovereignty that he obviously had in their lives. In the New Testament, I think of Paul. And he was the chiefest of sinners. Praise you, God, for your saving power. Praise you, God, that I am not what I used to be, that you have taken me out of that. You've chosen to save me. Thank you for that. For Peter, for his forgiveness, his understanding, God's patience when he was on this earth with Peter. That's something that's helped me so much to realize how to approach God. Verse 10. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. And this, this really hit me. I really thought about this. How is God's will done in heaven? Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. How do you think God's will is done in heaven? I would venture to guess, and I'm hopefully pretty accurate with this, that in heaven when God commands something, God's will is perfect in heaven. When God commands something, there's no hesitation. The angels don't question, well, God, you know, I don't know right now if I have the time to do that. God, you know, right now I think that that's really not what we should be doing, that you've led me someplace else and now this isn't, there's no hesitation. It's complete obedience. We're supposed to pray that His will is done in earth as it is in heaven. Is that your heart when you go before Him? That you want your will so in line with God's will? That you want His will to be so much yours that the, when you're doing His will on this earth that it's the same as it would be done in heaven? That there's no difference in that? Verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. We're supposed to thankful, be thankful to God for... And pray, pray, pray to Him for our daily needs. It's easy sometimes to sit down at lunch and say, Lord, thank You for this food. Thank You for this day. Bless the rest of the day. And we'll fresh name in it. And just like stumble through that three times a day and that's your prayer life. Be thankful that God has provided food for you. And we complain about the cafeteria food sometimes, but we have a lot more than a lot of people do. And we're supposed to pray to Him for that and thank Him for that. Verse 12, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. God has given us a model for prayer, guys. God has commanded us to do it. I've tried to show you that it is a command from Scripture. i tried to show you why it is so important, why it is an essential part. There are some difficulties in that. There are some things that make that hard, but it's not an excuse. They're just reasons, and they're not even valid. My challenge to you guys to start praying, number one, just do it on your own. Just do it. Just get down on your knees. Commit a certain amount of time, no matter how much it is, each day, just being quiet and alone in prayer and just do it. Number two, if it helps, something I've learned, pray with your roommate. Pray, pray with a friend. Say, I want today, go to him and say, I want to spend 10 minutes a week, 15 minutes a week, just one night a week where we can spend time in prayer together because I want to learn to pray. Because that's God's heart and I want to be like Christ. That's the goal in my life is to be like Christ. 
We're going to have some opportunities on this campus to pray. And Mark's going to tell you about those in a minute. It's important, guys. It's not just important, it's essential. It's something that I think is a vital part of our Christianity that I have, I have just recently been convicted about the way I should be and recently tried to commit my life to doing that. We cannot function without it. We need to depend on Christ. We need to realize that He is our strength. He's our rock. He is our salvation. We need to realize that from Him is where we're going to be able to make it through the days. And we need to stop trying to do it without Him because we just can't do it. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you have. Thank you again for the gift of prayer, Lord, that we can approach your throne. Lord, that is such a privilege. Pray, Lord, that we will take advantage of that, that we would realize that it is a privilege and that we need to seek you daily, that we need to be on our knees, not just as Abba Father, Lord, that we approach you and fall on your face and worship of the God of the universe that has saved us and is there for us. We pray you thank you in your Thank you, Steve.